Welcome to the Midday Treat with NAZ Elite, hosted by me, Coach Ben Rosario, featuring the Hoka NAZ Elite athletes, and from time to time, a special guest from the world of running. We talk training and racing, but we also just talk, and we go way deeper than just running. The Midday Treat is your chance to get to know us as people, so follow along and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And now, check out this episode of the Midday Treat with NAZ Elite. All right, everybody, welcome to the NAZ Elite podcast. We have a very special guest today. It is the newest member of Hoka NAZ Elite, just announced today. Uh, the, all the way from Kenya, he's joining us this morning. It's Friday morning uh, where he is when we're recording this right now anyway. Uh, Alex Masai. Alex, welcome to the team. Welcome to the show. Uh, welcome to Pro Running. How are you doing? Uh, thank you so much. First, I want to say thank you uh, for at least setting this podcast up. I'm very excited, of course, you know, being a young child, this is what I dream about. And it's kind of dream come true just, you know, when you say it, pro running, that's the word that I always wanted to be associated with. You know, of course, it's a nice morning here. Just uh, finish my easy running in the morning. And yeah, I'm excited for the future. Awesome. Well, when you say that you dreamt of being a pro runner, you're not lying because not only did you grow up in one of the um, one of the world's top distance running countries, Kenya, probably the world's top distance running country, but you also have a slew of family members that actually became pro runners and super successful pro runners. So first tell us how many brothers and sisters do you have and where do you fall? Oh yeah, uh, I come from a large family. Uh, I have nine siblings. I have four sisters and five brothers. And I, I have a twin brother, but I am the second of the um, second uh, twin. So I fall eight out of 10. So I'm almost <laughs> as the last. <laughs> and tell everybody about some of the accolades of some of your brothers and sisters from a running perspective? Oh yeah, of course. Uh, my firstborn brother really uh, had a successful career, especially on the track and across country. So um, time-wise, he managed to get a uh, 26, 49 for 10K on the track and 12, uh, 50 for 5K. And also was two-time Olympian, uh, 208 in, <clears throat> in- uh, Beijing. What was it again, 208 Beijing? Yeah, Beijing and then, 2012 in London, he finished uh, fourth in Beijing, and I think he finished eighth in London. Uh, he also finished uh, third in World Championships in Berlin 2009, and uh, I think he made an appearance in three cross countries, one as a junior and two as a senior. Yeah, and yeah, and probably my sister is the most successful of you know at least compared to uh, my brother college wise. He finished uh, third in Beijing 2008 Olympics. And then was world champion in 2009 in Berlin. And they finished three times uh, silver medalist cross country from 2009, 2010, and 2011. And he was also a world junior champion cross country in 2008 and seven in Mombasa. So she, it was really nice watching her for the first time winning it you know, in our only home soil. So my sister Maggie uh, is probably the youngest one I've, uh, of all four of my uh, professional running family. 
she's she's kind of strong on the roads she has a 223 on the roads and uh 1457 for 5k and she never ran 10k on the track so it's kind of mixed family but yeah that's three of them and then my brother Dennis I told you about uh she really he really didn't take it serious that much but he had a PB of 27 17 for 10k and 5k I think 1323 for uh, the track so if you guys missed that his brother Moses was fourth at the Olympic Games his sister Lynette was a gold medalist at the World Championships. His sister Maggie is a 223 marathoner, and his brother Dennis ran 2717 and 1323. So that makes you right now at what? What is your PR? 1329. 1324. 1324. I'm sorry. 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 Uh, so you are the third fastest Maasai brother. Yes. <laughs> All right. So you got some work to do. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, of my goal is to be in the uh, sub 13 club, so at least to be there. So I can't promise to get my brother's 1250, but once I'm there, you know, the goals always get tighter. Once you improve, you get, you know, close to close. So I won't make it a one-time goal, but, you know, a stepwise goal to lower my PB down until at least somewhere 1250s. So one of the things I remember you telling me was that you guys grew up a little farther away from town in a smaller village and then eventually moved. So what, what was your life like as a very young uh, kid? And then, and then when, when did you guys move? So as a young kid, we lived on slopes of Mount Elgon, which is literally just like the most realized part of the country. So my life is really never, you know, never had any interaction with the serious, maybe before I turned 10. So uh, because our family is growing, my dad needed more land for settlement and more for agricultural because that's what was um, his main business was, you know, agricultural wise. And he needed more farms so that he can be able to provide for my siblings, school fees to go to pay for food and everything. So we moved to Transoya, which is part of the Rift Valley, more land available. And he could be able now to afford for, you know, taking us to boarding school and taking my siblings to high school, you know, kind of stuff. So literally made the main, uh, the main reason why we moved was because we needed more land to accommodate our biggest, our big family. So when you were basically, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, <clears throat> 10, 11 years old, 12 years old, you were seeing your brother and sister have all the success. What was that like as a little kid to watch your brother and sister on TV at the Olympic Games, at the World Championships? How fun was that? Yeah, I remember I was in, uh, I was in boarding school by then. My parents, because we were twins, we used to disturb our mom. So we were, you know, we were taken to boarding school at early age. So being at that time, I remember 2008 Olympics, you know, our teachers used to come and pick us from class to go and watch our siblings race. So it was kind of cool. You know, expectations, you know, you go in, sit there, and then, you know, a random teacher just shows up and says, yeah, I hope I see you next Olympics or something like that. So at the back of the mind, you know, the expectations were, you know, I need to go to class at the same time, but people expect me at least to follow the same path in, you know, in future to do that. So it's kind of some expectation I knew I have to go to class, study hard, but at the same time, I, I have to try my legs and see how far I can get as well, you know, as time went by. 
but my understanding is your brothers told you that you would be better at running if you actually didn't run too much as a kid. They wanted you to wait until you were in your 20s to really be at your best. So what did you actually focus on in high school in terms of athletics? So I, I remember, you know, usually during uh, when the school was closed, I would, I would ask my sister or brother for shoes to start training, but my brother would just say, no, you know, kind of do other sports. So I was, I was, I used to do volleyball and handball and running as part-time because, you know, when the season comes, my brother would say, don't run, but at school, they not come from a running family. They expect me to be running during the season. So it's kind of just, you know, did part-time running, but I played full-time handball. And I remember even after college, I wanted to start training and my, uh, not after college, after high school, I, I wanted to start training seriously. And my brother said, uh, you know, Kenyan running, definitely you want to start when you are early twenties, but now probably finishing high school 18, you need, I had more like three, four years, which he assumed that, you know, once I finish college four years, I'll be probably 22, mature enough to be able to compete with the top athletes. So that's kind of changed my idea of saying, you know, you know go study first, Running will come later because say he ran his PBs when he was that time and he gave me some, you know, a few examples of people who really wasted their time instead of going to college. And then they, you know, they run their best when they're like mid-20s to high 20s. So it's kind of that mixed reactions that at least I don't know if you got it right, but you know, I'm excited to see. <laughs> <laughs> so why though did you choose to come to the United States for college? Oh yeah. So uh I don't know if I have a, you know, a solid reason for that, but I just remember when I was in college in Kenya, more university here in Kenya, uh, I used to train part-time as well, you know, probably four to three times a week, three times to four times a week. And I was doing a track session. And, you know, of course, I think college coaches or some assistant coaches were doing recruitment and I was doing workout. Um, there's some guy from Netherlands, family friend called Hugo. And he was doing, you know, it kind of helps the American coaches to get to, you know, they find the, you know, best talent to come to the U.S. for for college. And I was doing my workout, and you know, he approached me later and said, you know, what are you doing? I asked, I explained to him I'm in college, and I just ran, you know, part time. And he was like, oh yeah, you know, you can run the same thing, but you know, get your school fees being paid somewhere just for free, just learn for free, running the same thing. And I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, we can talk. <laughs> And I think he met my brother Moses and, you know, the next time I was in time trial, just like that, I was, you know, get idea that I can learn somewhere for free without, you know, paying out of pocket or something like that. So, and that's how I found about, you know, NCAA running or something like that. But you came over here and you went to community college first. So talk about yeah. like what school you went to and, and how you did there. Oh yeah. So uh, I think at that time, really, I didn't know much about even, when somebody told me Monroe College, I didn't know there's certain divisions of college. So like just knowing that uh, this higher education, of course, you're getting college education. I didn't know so much this community college, there was division one, division two, division three. I just imagine it was like kind of same colleges. So, but yeah, uh, the coach I knew from Ofstra, he was kind of helping me to get, um, you know, early admission at the same time. I don't think they had enough, you know, scholarships for, you know, I had to wait for someone to graduate in, in order to get a space in this school. So he said, I can go to a community college, stay there for one year or one semester so that I could, someone graduate so that I can get that position in his team. So I stayed in Monroe, I went there for one semester. Yeah, it was nice being there. This uh, The school was really mid and uh, 
sprint focused. So I was really, no, it was not really ideal for distance guys. I used to do train with, you know, uh, 800 guys, 1500 guys, but yeah, we did well. We made two nationals for cross country. I finished eighth. And I think that was, you know, confidence boost for me. I, you know, I realized I could compete at the highest level as well, though not really training with the uh, ideal teammates or ideal, you know, kind of training that you like. So it was really well, but it was a short period of time. So I didn't get the full experience of all, you know, fall, spring, winter, or kind of stuff. So I just finished for semester and I transferred to uh, Hofstra. All right, we got frozen there for a second, but we're back. So Alex was telling us he came to the United States and he went to one season of community college where he got eighth at the community college championships. Uh, and then he joined the team at Hofstra. That's who had been recruiting him uh, from Kenya. Uh, so Hofstra is a, is a kind of a small division one school on Long Island, uh, not necessarily a huge team. So you got there um, in the spring semester of your freshman year what was it like to just come to the United States? Because you had never been here, right? Yeah. What was it like just being in the United States? How different was it than Kenya? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, it was different, of course. Uh, came here at the end of summer. So, like, it's where I think it was longer days than shorter nights. So, like, sleeping every day when the sun is out and waking up when the sun was still out was really... I didn't understand what was happening. You know, I never saw darkness because, you know, being an athlete, you always go to bed early and, you know, waking up, you know, of course, early in the night, but I don't know, there's a rise like 5 a.m. probably and then wake up 6 a.m. So it's really kind of confusing, you know, being understanding the other parts of the world. And of course, you know, you know, late falls, winter starting, of course, being, you know, being able to understand and be able to get ready for winter was really the one, was one difficult thing be, because, you know, I'm not used to cold, extreme cold. I just use, you know, cold that you can control. But being able to go for a run without complaining and, you know, going to class without complaining was really tough. I, I remember one time when I used to call my family, I get jealous when people are just wearing, you know, short sleeve shirts and I'm here, you know, freezing myself, you know, saying that I have to go for a run even if it's snowing. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of challenging, you know, but at the same time, I realize other people are doing, you know, I can also do as well, you know, what they are doing. But. I guess that was the most different thing. And of course, culture-wise, culture-wise, things are different. You know, people are different. Coming here without a family member, without a friend, everybody was new and everything was new. You know, of course, oh, both Monroe and Ofstra uh, are close to the city. So like, I'm used to the rural life. And then uh, coming to living, you know, close to the city or the city life was really tough. Being able to understand both dimensions of life and getting used to different cultures was really challenging. But I think after one and a half year, when I came back for the following season, I can really, you know, mindset-wise, I changed my mind and I was ready, really to go through it. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to finish this college life, whatever happens. And what were you studying? Uh, I was studying criminology undergraduate. Got it. And how challenging did you find school? Uh, I don't think I'd, I didn't have any big problem in school-wise. You know, of course, of... Uh, you know, compared to, I was already college in Kenya, you know, I can say resource-wise and support was not really that much compared to, you know, the American colleges. So I had really everything like, you know, having tutors and have textbooks to, you know, technology-wise for classes. So really, I didn't find that difficult-wise apart just from, you know, 
you know, small things which, you know, every student goes through, but I didn't have any extreme challenges as a student myself. I kind of just, you know, understood how to go around and, you know, be able to get, you know, great grades in college. You know, at least I can complain on that side. And as, as far as running goes, obviously New York, where you were at Hofstra was a big difference terrain wise than Kenya. Uh, don't have all those beautiful dirt roads. And uh, how did you guys make it work at, at Hofstra training wise? Oh, yeah. Uh, just to go back to Monroe, I had the same problem. You know, we don't, they didn't really have, you know, good training parts like, you know, soft surfaces. So coming from Kenya, it's soft roads, as you said, uh, I had to, you know, not like injuries necessarily, but, you know, just, you know, five times a week by Friday, I feel my body so, I feel tightness in all my body. You kind of feel like you're injured, but not really injured because just I'm used to that. So I kind of say I realized, you know, I used to do, you know, just find a small place, probably less than a kilometer loop. I can do as many times, which is better for my health. Because I remember one time I got injured, not like injured, but I had some knee or uh, knee, whatever problems. And I remember the uh, the trainer say it's probably I need to find soft surfaces. Once I found that, I got away with that injury. And then I came to Australia, the same thing happened. I had a... Uh, glute problem which uh being you know underweight not like really underweight but being lightweight uh the train also said that to you know restrain from running on hard services and find more soft services it was hard really but i think you know doing like four times a week on the hard service like three times a week on soft services really helped than just doing hard service every day uh was really not that beneficial but yeah i think it was challenging for my body wise just feeling hard always you not know, like injured but hard and yeah by by the end of the first year currently you know I guess some things are mental I you know used to it and I was ready for it I guess wise you know did some exercise a little bit not really much but just to get ready for the terrain as well. Now if you look at your times from your freshman year sophomore year junior year senior year you started really getting quite good toward the end it took a couple of years talk about the challenge of kind of getting used to training at a high level, because like you said, in high school in Kenya, you really didn't run that much. So when did it start clicking? When did you start realizing, okay, now I'm getting pretty good? So oh, it's just something in back of my mind. Of course, I knew, I knew, you know, I can get better a little bit, but it was just now a matter of time to get into practice and get it into paper, show that I can be able to perform at the high level as well. So I really started training seriously, uh, when I came to US, I guess that was the time I I was now training day to day, probably resting once a week, you know. But um, I think when I ran uh, back nail, I ran 14.06 my first 5K. I think that was the time really I thought, you know, I ran faster than my sister 5K. So I was like, yeah, so <laughs> at, at least I can be now ladies, world-class ladies and say, now it's time for to beat men. So at that time, really, I realized I could, you know, I could improve a little bit. And then the next race was... Uh, and relays 5k i ran 14.00 i found close like yo i can be you know sub 14 club too as well so i was that close so i guess that motivation knowing that every time i race at least i was making pbs really gave me some motivation just knowing that you know you're getting excited because you know every time i was running i was getting improvements bit by bit and i think i ended that season uh not really the greatest in florida for that 10k regionals but i think you know this as you say i was not a in a big school, Austria, 
because uh, I was the first runner to make it to regionals for that event. So really, I didn't do good, but at the same time, you know, just knowing I'm the first one to do this, I was like, yeah, I can do it again and maybe make to the nationals. And yeah, I came back to the winter season, really ran uh, sub, uh, sub eight for 3K. I ran 759. Also, I was like, yeah, I can be in sub eight group. So, you know, so those small improvements made me really going to indoor season uh, for 5K. I ran, I think, 1353. And I was, yeah, I, I was like, I made the goal I wanted last season. So this is what I wanted. And from then, uh, I remember coming back the following season uh, to home. And I remember my brother was telling me, uh, I think now you look like a runner now. So like, <laughs> that was then kicked click to me that people now believe in me, I can do that. So I went back, I ran, I think that uh, cross country season, I won a couple of races. I didn't make to nationals. I made to nationals, but I didn't do great. That's only when I finished one, I think 130 or something like that. But I, you know, of course my first time making to nationals since the Bolle was that one. And then winter season, sad enough, it was canceled because of COVID, but I ran a PB by almost 30 seconds of 14, 20, uh, 13, 28. So from then I was like, yeah, so I think I'm gonna do it now. I was like, you know, I might not be forced, you know, people can now believe in me and, you know, my family can now think, you know, I can join them to the procession. So I think that was the most of the changing performance was that on the indoor 5K that I ran 13, 28. And I think from there, you know, I realized, you know, there were, you know, training wise, once you become disciplined, you work harder, you always get the performance that you want. And, you know, I went the outdoor season, uh, which sadly enough was canceled as well, the indoor was canceled. Uh, you know, I went, I didn't, I was not able to come home to see my family where I, that's when I got the time to come to Flagstaff and, you know, I trained, I had a fire 10 cal again on that fall season, just sponsored by myself in California, I ran for uh, 2811, of which was PB again by almost, almost one minute. So at that moment, again, I realized, you know, I'm still making improvements, though I think, I don't know where is my ceiling, so I'm still going and going. Uh, like enough, we had the outdoor season, uh, the cross country season, on, you know, where I ran the, uh, the cross country at Oklahoma, where I finished at least all American, my first. Well, hold on now. Let's let's talk about let's talk about that cross country race because if people watched that race, they may remember that you were the kid that nobody knew in the blue jersey and the in the yellow Hofstra, and you were right on Wesley Kiptu. So I know you and I have talked about this, but what what was the thinking going into that race, you and your coach? Because like you say, it, you, you kind of took us through. I mean, you had run 1328, you had run 2811, mm -hmm. but you still weren't really that well known. And your highest finish at NCAAs, you'd only made it once and you finished 130th. So what gave you mm -hmm. the confidence to go out with Kip to? So I remember uh, to go back during that fall season, we didn't have many opportunities to race. And I remember um, me and my coach had talked about, cause he was not even allowed to do so many things because NCAA has so many rules. I had to travel alone for that California 10K. And then coming to that, you know, indoor session again, every school had their own rules. We are not allowed to compete indoor. So I realized I probably don't have many opportunities to race and show my, you know, the one that I can race as well. So I remember talking to coach and he was like, yeah, we're going, we're going all out for it. We're going for it's all or nothing, something like that, you know? So like, we plan kind of way that because there are not so many opportunities, get ready for this, train well. And I remember that as solid training, kind of two, three months with the, you know, no injuries. And my body was responding well. And uh, we have, I had a belief in myself. I knew, you know, I could finish to the top guys. I haven't raised that much races, but at the same time, nobody had raised that much because, you know, the opportunities were 
fewer. And going to that race, I remember uh, the evening we traveled, we got the two nights before the race. You are, you know, sitting together and you're saying, you know, don't be scared of these guys. They train as you, they go to the school as you, so that is, you know, they're your age mates, they are whatever, everything. And yeah, we, we, I didn't expect him to go that fast, but I expected him to go that, you know, to be a front runner. And there's nothing was going to change my racing mentality or to change my uh, ability to race than just go out and see how much I can hang on and see how much I can finish higher or like how much can I compete with these guys compared to the other, you know, top cross country programs or top cross country runners. So we really went that one out without, you know, plan of sitting behind and kicking or nothing like that. We went with the, uh, we went with the mindset that we are going for all in. What about when you fell off? Um, that wasn't until about what, 7K or so, or even 8K? Yeah, I think after 6K was 6K? when I started falling back. Okay, okay. Yeah. But you hung on, finished what, 30 something? Yeah, I think I finished 33rd. Okay. okay. Yeah. So yeah. did you come out of that race? Because we'll talk about the outdoor season here in a second. Did you come out of that race excited because you were able to compete up front for so long or disappointed because you fell back? So uh, I came out of that race without, I, like my first reaction was not even really position wise. It was just about how much, you know, I gave. I gave everything to my capacity and I knew there was nothing left in me. I remember reaching 9K was, oh, was a healer. And I was just thinking to myself, what could I do better to be there? And there was nothing left in my body. So I came out of that race knowing that, oh, you know, if this is the mindset I'm going with it back to training and come to race the same way, there's no way I'll be the same place probably a year or a few months from then. So it's kind of changed my mentality of, you know, knowing that, you know, this is not my limit at the same time. If I go this mindset in training, uh, there's a way I can improve, you know, more than, you know, where I am now. I wanted to show that next time I show up, I might not be able to fall back, but I'm, you know, I am surprised people by staying again in front instead of falling back. Yeah. So the outdoor season was great. I mean, you, you obviously got to the regional meet, you won the regional 10 K in Jacksonville in really hot and humid conditions and made it look pretty easy. I thought, and then you go to the national meet in Eugene, and this is your big final opportunity. And you've got this very fast 10,000, very fast 5,000 meter field. Uh, tell us about the NCAA outdoor meet in Eugene. Oh, yeah. So uh, 10K is, okay. well, me and my coach, we talked about, you know, of course, uh, the results out of season seemed 10K to be my strong, you know, my strong event, just how we have to prepared. And because also it's my first race of all, of, you know, both regional and nationals, 10K comes first. So me and my coach are really prepared for that. And going to 10K, you know, I really wanted to win it. You know, of course, I knew I believed myself and I trained for it. But I think I didn't, as I told you before, probably, probably a couple of times, I didn't really rest my race in that 10K just because, of course, you know, you know, we, are, we all have different perspectives on how we race. But uh, I think having 5K in my mind, really, you know, contributed to me, you no know, really racing to my race just because every time I remember, if you can remember after, I think I was a 4K, I hit in front, yep. but in my mind, I'm like, you know, you have 5K, so, you know, you gotta observe, you gotta preserve your, you know, your energy, but at the same time, I've kind of, you know, sometimes you do your training and you know your weakness. At that time, I knew my weakness, if it comes to the last 1K or 2K, it's gonna be hard for me to draw by the runners or to kick a sub 60 for the last 400 or a sub, 
two for the last 800. So it's kind of something psychological, but at the same time, uh, it, it was really a nice you know, learning opportunity for me, dressing the top athletes. Because I remember that was my only first and last probably outdoor NCAA season. So, you know, competing with all those guys I've been seeing in TV a few, two, three seasons past. So I remember really after after seven K was really hitting my mind that, you know, I can really win at the same time. I can really finish, you know, in a position that you can't really dream about. But I took the lead and, you know, I made few, two, three laps and some few guys fell out, which, you know, of course, when you're a runner and you see, it's not kind of like being, you know, when you go in front, you want to drop people. It really feels nice when you, some people drop. So I look behind, I see six guys sort of behind me. I'm like, okay, so I can finish top 10. At least I can now finish top 10. So I kept on moving for a bit, but I think my legs got me the last 800. I kind of feel my lactic, of course, of doing 63s, 64s. I think I, I realized if the bell goes now, these guys can do sub, you know, sub 60, there was nothing I could do about that. But yeah, the last 200, I think they passed me, tried, you know, you know, move my upper body, but my lower legs are not moving. So <laughs> it, was really, it was really kind of, you know, confusing. I try to look back and like enough, there's not so much people close to me apart from that group of five guys. That was number seven, I was really a little bit behind. So I felt comfortable and I was like, you know what? I'm contented with this, you know, let's wait for 5k. <laughs> <laughs> so 27.45 that day, did the time surprise you? Uh, I'm kind of, I can't say I was surprised by time. It's more like, it's more like of those days that you really wanted position wise more than time, just because go. I could just imagine if I ran 28, 10 and finished fast, I could really mind that. <laughs> but just knowing you ran 25, 27.45 and, you know, five guys in front of you is kind of, you know, mixed reaction wise, but of course, there's no better feeling also as running PBs every time you race, which was really, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, on paper made up almost 20 second PB or something like that. So it was really a nice, you know, day overall for me. Did it leave you pretty tired for that 5,000? Uh, it's kind of, I guess some things are kind of psychological. Like, uh, in my mind, I think 5K was probably rest well than 10k just because you know of course those guys pretty finished strong but like i didn't really uh like you know race my race as well because you don't know how much left in your legs you know the race probably the guys went 64s early on so it's kind of thing i can do 64s but you don't know how much do i left in my body so i kind of just contented being in a group behind those guys but at the same time of course you know i knew at 10k less than 48 hours ago so it's kind of left me, of course, a little bit tired, but I can't really say that was the reason why I finished behind just because I did not, it's kind of uncertain, you know, things you have in your mind. You're just thinking, what if I go fast? What if I die? What if I do this? I blow out. So that's kept on until probably after 4K or after 3K, you're kind of making moves, but already the guys in front are, you know, are doing 63s. There's no way you'll cover up that distance. So you're kind of just making sure, you know, don't get passed by so many guys. At the same time, I think, I wish 10K was less by like 5K. I would have probably finished, you know, high just because, you know, it was really honest 5K and those guys really did a great job of, you know, leading in front and doing all the things to make, you know, Olympic standards for some few guys and others finishing, you know, national records kind of stuff. 
Yeah, for sure. So you you get done with your NCAA's. You've set two P, big PBs. You've run well in both races. Um, you know, I know that you and I, of course, uh, talked right after nationals, and uh, you know, I knew that you wanted to go into the pro running world. So now, just bring us up to speed on on where you are. You know, you've signed with Hoka Naz. Just tell the tell the folks about you know your dreams of, of what you want to do these next few years as a pro runner. Yeah, yes. I'll consider my story to be starting now, honestly. So like my story just started now, because, you know, as I said before, this probably was just a bridge of me, you know, being that, you know, amateur or being that, you know, that kid of people thinking maybe you might, it might not be your display, it might not be a, you know, thing. So I considered college to be just a developing period, but now this is where my story is beginning. And, you know, I couldn't have dreamt, you know, a better place or a better time to be able to join a pro running a big you know a big focus group with many many great athletes like NZ elite of course you know you have guys who have won marathons who have won road races so of course you know having that just kind of environment and having that you know support that you know i already received though i'm you know probably hardly two months into it but really at this time uh you know it's just kind of that feeling that you know it's it's true it's a dream come true now it's just time, you know, I realize, you know, every time I wake up in the morning and I wear, uh, you know, the gear that all, everything says Hawker from, you know, top to bottom to the shoes. And I realize, you know, this is something that, you know, I was 10 years back, you know, 15, five, six years ago. This is what I was thinking about, you know, dreaming about, maybe not doing anything about it, but now, you know, it's, it's now the time to really, you know, perform. And of course, it's just time now for me that I'm getting excited. And you know, you know, of course, you know, I'm doing everything, you know, on you know, on the ground and make sure that I produce the performance that I kind of promised to myself. And that you know, of course, the standards that you always have, you know, group and always, you know, I guess now is really that moment that I'm getting my mind together to realize that I'm a pro athlete and it's time now to perform. And how are the Hoka shoes? Oh yeah, really exciting. I, you know, of course, the last time I remember you asked me, have you ever ran with these hawker shoes? I had never before, but uh, I think it's almost now five weeks be running on hawker shoes. That's no negative thing at all. I'm like, I go to training as well as the guys, they wear all those type of shoes, but I'm able to keep with them on track, on fat legs, on long runs. So it has really responded well. It's given me the best cushion in my legs. You know, I do work out today. Tomorrow I wake up really without any soreness or without any fatigue, you know, extra fatigue apart from the training fatigue. So I really think that, you know, uh, uh, their training shoes wise, I've, I've never tested the speed work wise so much, but the training uh, regular shoes really have the, uh, you know, the best cushion for my legs. You know, of course, we don't have so much of muscle for me so at least you know having kind of shoes like that really helps to prevent you from fatigue or like you know soreness sure so one of the things we like to do on the podcast is, is talk a little bit about things besides running so tell us about yourself outside of running what are your hobbies what do you like to do what do you like to read what do you like to watch all, all that good stuff oh yeah so my love really kind of i can't say I, I have a lot of things that i do outside running you know of Mostly just stay on TV. I like watching, you know, soccer, 
the Americans call soccer, but it's, yeah, it's called football. So mostly now Premier League has started. Weekend starts on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Those three days, you know, like Saturday you just finished long run and then from 2 p.m. to 9 p.m. is just soccer. So you just choose what time, which matches do you want to watch. So that's really my Saturday and Sunday, same thing. You know, I do shorter run a little bit, but, you know, the program is the same. Matches start from 2 p.m. to 9 p.m. So that's kind of my weekend. Or oh, sometimes uh, I, I totally have my few family members, like my two sisters. So we, you know, we go out a little bit and, you know, get to enjoy time out or outside training or outside their normal work. So we go down to Sego, which is a little bit hotter down uh, the valley, where at least we can, you know, go beautiful sceneries or at least relax in good weather before, you know, coming back to the cold weather in Italy, you know, sometimes. Um, Apart from that, I have a few friends. I don't really have a lot of friends now. You know, many people are different, you know, stages in life since I left. So it's mostly I just go home. My my mom stays probably like two hours away from here. So I get if I get extra time, I, I travel home and just go, you know, in the farms and stay with my parents for a little bit. Um basically that's mostly what I do. Because of course, you know, most times just sleep around when you're not doing anything, uh apart from you know when you're tired or something. And also I watch a little bit TV. I like watching documentaries so much. So, you know, basically that's that's what I do in my free time. Okay, now this will make some people mad and this will make some people happy. What team, what Premier League team do you support? Oh yeah, I support Arsenal. You know, of course it's, 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 uh, it's kind of, you know, mixed reaction now. It was a great team yet uh, before, but you know, the last five, six seasons, we haven't lived to our standards, but, you know, of course, I understand many people will, like, you know, many people don't like us and all kind of stuff, you know, rivalry. But, yeah, that's my team. They're playing my team on Sunday, Chelsea. Oh, really? I don't think I'll lose that much. <laughs> Chelsea, Chelsea looks good this year. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, yeah, Chelsea, you know, of course, they finished last season greatly, and I think... From the first match of the weekend, they picked it from where they left. But Arsenal, mm, we're a little bit below Chelsea for now. So let's see and see. How's the how's the Kenyan national soccer team? Uh, it's not that good. We ranked probably almost 200 in the world. So you can guess from that. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a big sport there, right? Yeah, it's really a big sport. Uh, club-wise, not really this Western or Rift Valley part, but if you go to a uh, central part of the country or um, eastern part of the country and southern part of the country, it's really great. Uh, you know, football or soccer is really loved there. And they have so many clubs there. But this side really is just more like fan base rather than, you know, clubs being this side. I think the U.S. fans probably would find this interesting. So I think we think of... Kenya's national sport being running. So we think of all these Kenyan uh, stars being huge stars in Kenya. Is that true? Like David Rudisha or, um, you know, Elliot Kipchoge, are they huge superstars in Kenya? Oh, yeah. So uh, it's it's not really about running. That's a huge sport really in Kenya, but just like about personality-wise. So like you kind of get two icons or three, like for example, Kipchoge, of course, it's like a country's unifying factor now. Like everybody knows Kipchoge, of course, or Reducia, Reducia during you know, 2000 Olymp- uh, 2012 Olympics. 
you know, that time everybody knew about Odisha. But really, running is not that the greatest sport in Kenya. It's more like rugby, seven or 15. It's probably the great sports here where, you know, people enjoy watching that. Like, you know, people pay thousands of money to go watch. While running is a free sport. So it's really not that, you know, for fan base wise, it's not the greatest, but, you know, personality wise, they have really the greatest personalities here in Kenya. I got it. So they become celebrities, basically. Yeah, basically. If they're really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Okay. How, uh, and um, how about Bridget Koskai? Is she a big, big uh, celebrity? The world record holder uh, in the marathon? I don't think so. Just like, also, you you know, apart from performing-wise, you have to be really, personality-wise, people have to like you, you know, be, be an outgoing person, be kind of, you know, on the, you know, on the local level, what do you do, you know, with people, if you're not shy, like you joke, of course, people will know you, but if you just kind of family person you don't get time on social media you know to people follow you so much so i don't think so many people know bridget that much as they know you know other runners like probably faith might be known even better than you know bridget kind of oh, stuff yeah, just sure, because sure. you know you know social media nowadays have so much impact than even you know performances sometimes yeah i got you i got you yeah. all right alex well this was cool we got to know you a little bit but it's just the beginning like you say this is the start this is the start of something really big we're so excited to have you on the team we're excited to introduce you to all our fans and uh we can't wait for you to get over here i know it might be a while because we got to get all this stuff figured out um but uh when you come over here we'll start showing everybody pictures and videos of you running and uh they'll get excited about um your your first race over here we don't know when that'll be yet but uh hopefully this fall sometime yeah definitely I'm, I'm very excited for that as well you know of course i know everybody's working hard whatever they are and you know that's definitely what i'll do as well of course you know the plan is to get back as soon as possible but you know of course everything has a procedure but as for now i'll do everything you know in my capacity to be ready for the season Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Alex. Appreciate you doing this in the morning and um, we will talk to you very soon. Uh, thank you so much as well. See you, Alex. Thanks for listening to the Midday Treat with NAZ Elite. I'm Addison Rosario, Coach Ben's daughter. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button and subscribe to our channel. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NAZ underscore Elite. Subscribe to our weekly newsletter on NAZElite.com. And stay tuned for the next episode of the Midday Treat with NAZ Elite. Uh-huh.